Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Did you have a good week? Uh, hello. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a busy, <laughs> busy week and a half uh, <laughs> with uh, vacation. We took a week off for vacation purposes, and then my whole family took turns getting sick. So you might be able to e- even hear it, you know. Uh, (laughs) Well, of course, you know, the only thing that guarantees people get sick is definitely vacation bookings. (laughs) Yeah, that and uh, kids going to several different camps. So, you know, you like try to make sure they get a a good sampling of germs around the town. (laughs) It it was bound to happen. And I mean, you know, we were we had such a good summer, such a healthy summer. And uh, and then, yeah, it was bound to catch up with you. (laughs) Yeah. And now it's better to do it now than maybe our immune systems will be through the roof for when school starts up. Uh, sorry, kids, if you're listening, I brought up school starting. But uh, for for parents, it's a it's it's kind of a, a big deal. Uh, it's the most of, wonderful time of the year. Yeah. You remember those commercials, you know? Yeah. Uh, for some reason, my brain, I don't know if it's a Canadian thing, like where some it's is it a Walmart thing where the. You know, the mom is is shopping for school supplies and the kids are all I thought like, it was Grand and Toy, maybe, which maybe? I don't even know if they're still in business. But yeah, it mm. basically, yeah, it was might have been Walmart, might have been Grand and Toy, some sort of like back to school related stationary store, something commercial. <laughs> Staples, maybe, or maybe Staples, you know, yeah. And uh and they're playing that song and the the parents are all like overjoyed and the kids are just like, uh, you know. So, yeah, no, back to school. It's happening uh, whether you like it or not. <laughs> and uh, anyways, like it's just it's really just been a busy week and a half. And, uh, you know, we're it's it's hard to believe it's already August. Like we're we're heading into the last third of August, folks. Yeah, we are. <laughs> and I'm not freaking out at all. <laughs> no, I, I try not to bring up how much time has, has gone by because I know I know. That's okay. All the Halloween stuff is starting to come out and I'm just like, oh my God, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. <laughs> but it's fine. Yeah. It, it, is, it is totally fine, right? Like uh, Halloween stuff out in August. That's normal, right? That's normal. Yep. Yep. Completely normal. Um, but yeah, so uh, and before we get too far into what we're playing or anything that we normally cover on the show, I did want to take a moment because uh, part of Ryan's vacation, he actually uh, came over and delivered a very ridiculously generous surprise gift to me uh, from uh, some members of the Gamers and Community. Now I am going to go through uh, my Discord and and send you guys messages and thank you all personally, but I did want to take a moment and thank you off the top of the show because um, I can't believe <laughs> the generosity of this community. You guys are amazing. Um, so if you if you don't know, um, Ryan was super sneaky and I had no idea and uh, reached out to a bunch of uh, community members, some uh, some of my old co-hosts and, and other podcasters and stuff um, and basically pooled their money 
into an amazing uh, baby shower gift for me. So uh, thank you guys so much for the stroller and the car seat. She's going to be so safe and so comfy thanks to you guys. And uh, I'm trying, doing my best not to choke up and cry right now. Ryan can attest. I opened that card and started like bawling. So thank you guys all for your kind messages and your generosity. And I just, oh, it's so much. Thank you. Yeah, no, everyone was very awesome and uh and generous and i i did want it to be uh but i really wanted to make it a surprise and i was so surprised i had no idea i was shocked <laughs> yeah i you were almost like because our plans kind of changed a little bit and um i think you guys were even questioning like well why is he why is he coming out before the baby shower like you could come after. Well, yeah, his wife, so Ryan was super insistent. So his wife wasn't able to come to the shower because they had plans to go away for the weekend for vacation. And uh, so she wasn't able to make it to the shower. And I was like, why is Ryan being so insistent that I need to get these <laughs> gifts before the shower? I don't understand. <laughs> like, what's the big deal? Like we we now. So since since my husband and I have moved. Ryan lives like 20 minutes away from me. So we could just do like dinner next week or something. What's the big deal? And then he shows up with this like huge, ginormous box. And I was like, what is happening? <laughs> yeah, I had to back the van in and also. I was so confused. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It uh, like I wanted it to be a surprise. And I know everybody who we chatted with. Um, I, I just I'm really thankful for everybody who was able to help out. And um, I know that. uh you know, the Gamers Inn community is 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 a big community and I know everyone's gonna be sending their well wishes to you, Jocelyn, over the, the coming weeks and, and uh and, and into the fall. I don't wanna I don't wanna mention months and <laughs> and freak you out again. Yeah, it was uh it was overwhelming to receive. So thank you all so much for being so loving and generous and supportive. I just I, I can't say enough. You guys are freaking amazingly awesome. So uh, if for some reason you're listening to the sound of my voice right now and you are not part of the awesome community over on Discord, you really should go to bit.ly slash TGI Discord and meet all of these fantastically wonderful folks that we have over there. So uh, yeah, thank you guys again. And with that, let's start talking about uh, what we've been playing because uh, so I totally forgot that um, Paleo was actually going into open beta. So, like, I've been waiting for this game forever. Like, when it was first announced, I was just like, this is the coolest, calmest, most interesting, like, MMO announcement I've seen in a long, long time. And I was really interested to see how they were actually going to make it work. And so I haven't touched Baldur's Gate 3. I know I said I was going to, and I was actually really looking forward to it. Um, I know Ryan's playing, my husband's playing, like it seems like the entire internet is playing. Um, and I'm just sitting over here in my like, little cozy MMO. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I haven't touched Baldur's Gate 3, which I didn't think anything could distract me from that because I was super excited. But yeah, I totally forgot about this beta that I've been waiting for for literal years. <laughs> Yeah, I I remember uh so Palia is the MMO that was sort of announced a few years ago from X Blizzard devs, right? Like they had moved on from the World of Warcraft team. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so and so the whole concept is um basically it actually reminds me a lot of like Dreamlight Valley. Um there's no combat, there's no like gear or anything like that. It's basically just like well, like any of those games, right? The Stardew Valleys, the Animal Crossings, like that kind of stuff, except it's 
built in a world so like Dreamlight Valley that has like some direction, like has a, has a quest line. Most of the quests and stuff I've been doing right off the bat are just for kind of like tutorial type quests. It's like uh, clear your lot, build your house, like go find the dude that helps you with smelting, go find the guy who will give you the sawmill. Like, you know, it's very... um very much early game tutorial stuff. Like I haven't gotten too, too far into it, but um, it's, it is really, it's, it's in the same vein as all of those games. Like it's really fun. It's really relaxing. I don't know if it needs to be an MMO, but um, the whole like no combat thing is so weird. Like there's hunting, but no like combat, you know how like in Stardew Valley and, and others like it, have like that dungeon portion where you like you go down levels and kill stuff and collect gems and stuff like that. So far, there's nothing like that in Palea. And I'm like, huh, interesting. Absolutely no combat in an MMO. It's wild. It's so weird. Right. So what uh, what are you supposed to be doing? Uh <laughs> That's I guess the question, right? Like, <laughs> so it has all like the trappings of those games. So it has like the, the gathering. So you have to like go out and you have to get like wood and stone and stuff like that. You do bug collecting, you do fishing, um, you do cooking and farming. Like you do all of that kind of stuff. And then, like I say, there's this like quest line, this, uh, this like overarching kind of world building story that's happening at the same time. So if you guys did take some time to play Dreamlight Valley, you'll know that there's that like black and purple goop and you, there's like all the characters are kind of like forgetting who they are and and you have to try to like solve the the mystery there. And and Palea is kind of similar in that like there's this world that exists that humans just all of a sudden start showing up in. So the way the game starts is you just kind of like materialize and there's this like, I guess she's like an archaeologist type character who's kind of like, whoa, <laughs> like, what are you doing here? Hello. <laughs> and like starts talking to you about like the world and and telling you like, oh, you should go like talk to the mayor and, and get set up and stuff while I look into this. And there's it's there's all these like pieces of like ancient technology and like ruins and stuff that are being investigated and that's where you kind of come in you seem to have this it kind of reminds me a little bit of like Aloy with Horizon Zero Dawn like you have this like affinity with all this ancient stuff and and people are kind of like oh wow I've been researching that thing for years and it's never done anything and you walked near it and it lit up you know so it's it's got that kind of feeling to it um, so there is like a larger world building story that's happening and it's a pretty, pretty big world as well. Um, I've been to a couple of different areas now and uh, it just like, it's just, <laughs> they kind of nailed it with calling it a cozy MMO. Like just, you just go and then live in the world <laughs> and it's just like, doesn't feel like there's any of like the pressure of another MMO. There's none of the like attitude of a normal MMO because again, no PvP, no combat, no gear grinding, no raiding. Like it's it's just like play Stardew Valley, but then with your friends. Hmm. I mean, that does sound like it, it. It does sound very cozy, and I wonder like where the you know MMO competition style stuff comes in. Is like 
a keeping up with the Joneses type thing of like, well, yeah. his, his cottage <laughs> is better than my cottage or he's got a better lawn, yeah. I guess. <laughs> and that's like, that's the one part. This is why I say I'm not sure if it needs to even be an MMO. And I know that that's something that um, a lot of people ask for. Like people love the functionality in Animal Crossing of being able to, you know, customize their island and then invite their friends over to see it, right? Like, and and to spend time in like on your friend's island and and whatever like that was a big part of what made animal crossing well that in the pandemic right because animal crossing was like right at the beginning of the pandemic and we needed a way to connect with others but um i think that like i can see the value in that but at the same time their social i guess like to connect with my actual friends their social tools seem kind of lacking uh, it's very like I still have yet to find an actual friends list. Um, you can create a community and when you create but like you can't search for communities, you have to be invited. So I haven't actually made a community yet. There was some of my um, my Warcraft guild were talking about like making a get your crit together community. And I'm like, that's great. But if you make that community and then like someone makes a gamers in community, like I don't think I can be in two. And then if I can't be in multiple communities, then how do I like play with Ryan sometimes and then like play with my Warcraft friends sometimes and play with my husband other times, you know? So it doesn't seem to kind of function socially the way that I would like think it would or want it to. But like I said, there's no just straight up friends list that I can find. So you just have to like join a community with people um, but again, you can't search the communities. Whoever makes the community has to send the invite to you. So it's kind of like they want you to explore the world and just like meet new people, which is fine. I'm not against that. <laughs> but the problem with that is that there are no like servers or anything like that. It's just, uh, well, I guess obviously there are servers, but it's like when uh, World of Warcraft first started, like you were so-and-so on earthen ring you were so-and-so on bleeding hollow you know like you were you were stuck in your realm um so they don't do that in palea they have like kind of like eso where it's like one big server and you just kind of like log in and whatever shard you end up on that's the shard you end up on um which means that even if you like go in and like meet new friends there's no guarantee that the next time you log in, those new friends are going to be there. So then you kind of go back to the whole like community friends list problem. And I'm just like, if I find people I really want to play this game with, those are the people I really want to play the game with. And those are the people I want to share with, not like random gamer one, two, three, four, who happened to log in at the same time as me on a Tuesday. You know, it's, it's weird. Like I kind of understand and on one hand, but on the other hand, I'm like, if you wanted this experience to be social and cozy and community building, social tools probably should have been development plan number one. And it doesn't really feel like that. Yeah, I, I mean, from outside looking in at this game and, and from the original trailers as well, like to me, the biggest appeal was the art direction and the look of the game. And and the promise of being, as you said, more of like a like a high fidelity Stardew Valley without the dungeon crawling, which I'm mm -hmm. 
I'm fine without the combat, honestly, but like they'll they'll likely add it eventually. If this takes off. Yeah, I don't really know. The the team doesn't really seem to have interest in that at all. They mm-hmm. kind of seem to want to be totally different. And they don't really what like you have um you have clothes, like you can make stuff. Like there's like cloth and leather and all kinds of stuff like that in the game where you can like make things, you can buy things. Like it's very, like I say, Dreamlight Valley, Stardew Valley, very like here's the general store and the stuff changes every day and you can go in and buy things or you can find recipes and make things like you know, there's stuff to wear, but there's no like stats or anything. The only kind of like stats and things that you level up during the course of the game are like your hunting and gathering skills. So there's like foraging and bug bug collecting and fishing and all that kind of stuff. And you're gaining like XP towards those things as you go around and do them in the game. But like your character doesn't have a power level. You don't have a health bar. Like there's none of that. So it would be kind of like a crazy departure, I think, them to try to add all that stuff in like it's really not what this game is built to do i don't think oh okay well i mean and i mean i think that if they if they lean into like the rest of of what made stardew valley uh really cool and like progressing your farmland and and making uh just the best sort of farm plot you could you could have like it it does sound really interesting that there is that like overarching story that you can explore as well mm-hmm. but i mean everything i've heard so far all the friendships are there as well with all uh, the npcs and stuff um so yeah that's one part i forgot to mention i'm not actually sure if there's like romance romance or if it's just like friendship stuff but you do have like when you go and talk to them or do quests for them or whatever there's like a little handshake icon that like increases so like you can you can be bros with people in town um, I don't know if you can actually romance people in town, but you can definitely be friends. Just <laughs> so friend zoning across yeah. the palia. So they do, yeah, they do have that um, that kind of friendship meter stuff as well. Interesting. Okay. Well, and I mean that's also a big part of a lot of these games are the are mm-hmm. the relationships you build with the NPCs and stuff. Yeah. And and that's a big draw. Which again is very interesting that they made this an MMO instead of a. Like, I mean, you run into town and like, say you're like, I don't know, say you can romance and you're like in a romance with the innkeeper. And then you're like, hey, wait a minute. Who's she? (laughs) Oh, no. The innkeeper's instance is now. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I I think that um, like the whole concept of the cozy MMO, it sounds like they've really leaned into uh, in, in the case of like. You know, we're going to have you we're going to have all these fun activities like fishing and mining and harvesting and building and and whatnot. But we're just going to allow you to do it with whoever is around, like the, mm-hmm. your, either your friends or the random folks that show up in the in the server. And like it just kind of sounds like an open world um, uh, kind of like people were worried Diablo 4 was going to be an MMO. But really what it was is just like kind of like an open an open and online world like MMO seems like the wrong word here, but I don't think that the industry has kind of coined a term that's stuck to describe this specific type of game. It's not an MMO. Mm -hmm. It's more of like just an open online world, which a lot of people will say, well, isn't that just an MMO? And it's like, well, no, it's, it's different. (laughs) 
Well, I mean, like, okay, so it is massively multiplayer online. Like, it, it is that. It's not an MMORPG, right? Mm. So I think, like, we've kind of shortened MMORPG, because that's a mouthful, over the years to just being MMO. But really, like, what that means is that you just have a lot of people playing online together, right? So yeah. you don't necessarily, like... I guess like you can interact with people like there's a chat there's like you can you can type things to to other people on your server and stuff like that like you can do all of that you can um like I say they say you can and again I haven't figured out all the social stuff yet because I don't think it's particularly well implemented but um they say <laughs> that when like your friend is online you can bring them over to where you are or vice versa you can go to where they are and again, I'm not 100% sure because like everyone goes to the same house spot. So it's like it's instant just to you as to like where you build your house and your farm and stuff like that. So you go through this like gate and then there's a loading screen and then you're at your house. So it's totally separate. Everyone goes through the same gate. Um, and I don't know how that's implemented when you're trying to play with a friend. Like I don't know... It, you must be able to invite your friend into your house. But then it's like, can they do stuff? Like, can they help me? Can we build things together? Like, that's kind of what I want is I want to be able to, like, have my house in the same place as, like, your house and, like, have us, ha like, make a neighborhood, a community even, you know? <laughs> like, that's kind of what I had in my head is, like, my high in the sky thing that I would really want is like it's basically like an animal crossing island if we could have an island with like 10 people on it and everybody's helping everybody else and everybody's building their own little corner like that's kind of what I had in my head as to what I would want out of like a cozy MMO that I play with my friends with no combat and just building you know <laughs> but it doesn't really seem like that's how they've implemented it and maybe that's maybe that's too much to ask like i don't know the tech i'm not a game dev right so maybe that's just too pie in the sky but you know it would be interesting if you could like share a building plot with your friends basically um but yeah the like i say the social tools are kind of meh right now so we'll see i need to dive into the the community side of it a little bit more i think i i like your idea of a uh sort of like you know you can you would have like a community you know like we would buy um not even buy i don't want to give them any ideas but like we could have <laughs> you know because it is free to play right like it is free to play it's an open beta right now so anyone can download and play on pc it's uh it's coming to switch later this year they just said winter 2023 so no actual set release date yet and i don't know if when it comes to switch if that counts as like their 1.0 release or their if that's what they're planning or if like the switch will just be added to the open beta but basically it's pretty much released now because they've said they're not wiping progress so like anyone who plays now when they roll it over to 1.0 and officially release it like nothing will change for you so it's like at that point like are you even in beta <laughs> it's like early access right like it, it kind of it, it kind of is, except for it's not gated in any way, right? So mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I don't know. But anyways, yes, it is. It is fully free to play on PC right now. Uh, anyone can go and making ma- go in, make an account and and download it and play right now. So and like I said, they're not going to wait progress. So if that's what you've been waiting for, um, yeah, you can go and check it out right now. Yeah, just oh, man, I'm just looking at the screenshots, just the visuals alone. Uh, is probably the download uh, worth the download just to check it out and see what they're doing here. Cause like, it's, you know, when you, when we talk about MMOs, we talk about, you know, launching on switch. Um, oftentimes, you know, the uh, MMO visuals don't match up with, you know, triple uh, a games that are coming out because they, they have to hit as much hardware as possible. They have longer, you know, dev times. So they're, they're usually targeting like a, a lower fidelity but like this thing looks like did this do the screenshots do it justice because honestly it looks phenomenal it looks amazing yeah i think it looks great it has a very similar art style i feel like to dreamlight valley mm. um i think it has like maybe a little bit less like sparkle and glitter and particle effects than dreamlight valley does um but i think it's still um yeah it holds up really well and and i've never had it like crash or chug like when I'm out in the main world um, and there's usually like probably I would say like 40 ish people that I run into like in the main town like and it like I say it hasn't had any any like performance issues or anything like that. So yeah I think it looks great and they seem to have because they did a bunch of stress tests as well through the summer. So I think they've done a pretty good job at figuring out like how many people can be where without chugging the game. So yeah, I think it's, I think it's worth checking out. I'm like I say, I'm having a lot of fun and I feel like I'm playing a lot of these games lately, but um, I am, I am having a lot of fun. I'm just, I'm kind of eyebrow raising at the MMO part of it. Like I don't really necessarily think that that was required, but I do also understand that they want to try to build a community. So yeah, I think I just need to check out more of the social um, options and then, uh, yeah, go from there. But uh, yeah, I, I think it looks great. It's really fun and uh, it's it's definitely cozy and very like chill. <laughs> so, yeah, go check it out. But yeah, that's that's what's been keeping me away from Baldur's Gate 3. So I'm very excited to hear what you have to say about that. <laughs> yeah, I uh, it's all I've been playing. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah when you so okay guys it, we have show notes obviously of course. um and so in the show notes it says Baldur's gate three first impressions and i was like okay ryan's probably played a couple hours and he's like yeah i'm about like 30 hours in i'm like oh my god ryan that's not first impressions <laughs> it is though because here's the thing uh is it first of all it's a large game uh second of all i don't i want to kind of like spread it out a bit because i am going to be playing this a lot uh leading up to um the end of August, essentially. Uh, and there's just so much to talk about uh, with this game. I mean, we could we could do a segment just on the character creator, although I wasn't in there as long as some folks have. Uh, I've heard some people sinking hours and hours and hours into that, which, again, I get as like, given that it's a Dungeons and Dragons game, like your character is very important. I understand that. But I've heard people taking forever. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, there's a lot to customize. There is. There is a lot to customize. Um, and I know I've seen I've seen some of the the dialogue out there that like it, while there is a lot to customize, it's not like a, it's not filled with, um, you know, it's not the type of customization you would find in some games where like everything has a slider, you know, like every um, 
you know, muscle in the arm has a different slider. Like it's not like Elden Ring <laughs> or or um, uh, other RPG games where where you can fine tune every aspect of your character because like really uh, there are there are four sort of body types and that is just so that like the infinite amount of armor combinations work on your character like they yeah. do limit in that way and I'm by no means am I asking for more options in the character creator I'm fine with what's there because it still took me uh, an hour to sort out my character. Um, including the fact that I, Jocelyn was not, you know, did not have the, the thought process to be like, let's at least figure out what I'm playing before the game even comes out. <laughs> well, yeah. Cause again, like it's, it's D and D based, right? So there's going to be all of those, like, I guess, cla- are they called classes in D and D? Yes. Yeah. So you have okay, your yeah. Yeah, classes and then, you know, and, your, and your race choices. Yep. Yeah. So I didn't do any of that. <laughs> I did not pregame. <laughs> Baldur's Gate 3. I just jumped in and uh, ended up paying for it. I mean, you know, I had a good time, in it, but I was kind of trying to figure out what character I wanted to play. And then I quickly realized, like, oh, like, I want to be I want to be a bard because, like, who doesn't want to be a bard? Um, <laughs> I also wanted to think of, like, OK, let's realistically look at this being me playing this game once, you know, for the amount of time I have to play a game. Are you playing by yourself or are you playing with other people? Because I hear that that makes a difference, too. I'm I'm playing by my I'm playing by myself. I, I think like I think we talked about it on our last episode, but my idea of playing multiplayer was uh, sort of try to do like drop in stuff. So like if folks were setting up a campaign or if someone wanted to play multiplayer, like I would just jump in and control one of one of their characters um, because there are like a set of origin characters that uh, Larian has designed that are your sort of typical um, RPG characters that you're going to see in a game, you know, like uh, like in Mass Effect, you have you have your crew alongside your customized right, right, right. shepherd. So that was sort of my idea. I have not played any multiplayer yet. I've watched like a couple of streams of, you know, friends of the show playing. I know Bo has a couple games that he's doing and 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 streaming um just to kind of get a like a taste of what that multiplayer would would be like and uh the multiplayer looks <laughs> I'm going to be honest, it looks chaotic and not my kind <laughs> of fun. I don't know like That's fair. I I think I think that um it, like if you're taking it seriously and you're you you have to work as a party like that's the other thing it's like real dungeons and dragons like you have to work as a party oh, if everyone's <laughs> trying to have fun not trying to sorry not trying to have fun but if everyone's like being silly and like i'm gonna pickpocket this person i'm gonna kill this npc like that has <laughs> real impact who would on do that who would do that <laughs> crofton if you're listening he's not listening but he'll listen to this segment because i mentioned his name um it, like it, that that's the kind of like that's the kind of stuff that can happen in the multiplayer games. But I think like if you're going to do a group session um, and this actually, I, I think, happened because I was talking to Crofton and he's doing a, a group game with Bo and some of their local friends. And he said the first session was a bit of a, a shit show because like everybody had their own idea of like how they wanted to play. Like they were kind of getting used to the game, but also used to like used to each other. Which I find like that's a very D and D problem because I know like I've I've played a couple of times on like little short one shots and stuff and then we tried playing as well and I it really the group that you're with really dictates how much you like D and D 
And I think that like, if you don't get the right set of people and if you don't talk about how you want to play ahead of time, it's really easy for it to kind of get away from you and for it to all of a sudden become like not fun. Like I know I didn't have a great time in like when we were playing and I guess this was like back like literally like eight years ago at this point because like half of our group was like really, really cautious and wanted to like talk everything through to death. And then the other half of the group was very much like, let's just go, like, let's do something. Like we're still in the same town and it's like four sessions later, like, let's just go do something. Uh, And so if you're not like on the same page as your teammates, then it's really going to impact like, and there's, because there's no right way to play, right? So it's really going to impact your experience if you're not vibing with your team. Yeah. And I think like that's where, like a lot of the comparisons between Baldur's Gate 3 and an actual Dungeons and Dragons tabletop experience is that the tabletop experience is being ran by, you know, um, a GM who is or a DM that is that is able to on the fly make changes like we talk about, oh, wouldn't it be great if AI could could do like, you know, basically game design like on the fly, but like it, it's never going to get to that point. So I think that's when you have like a DM, like that's where it's like you have someone who's crafting the game on the fly. They have some notes, you know, that state like where they want the players to go and how the encounters will work. But really, like if the party decides to stay in town um, until, you know, uh, the mysterious warlock yells out of a window at a, at a, a, a passing boy to understand what the hell's going on in town. Cause everyone's still stuck in the tavern. <laughs> um, and that, you know, it's like the, the DM can kind of make those, those conversations, but like in a video game, you're limited to what's been designed in the game. Like mm-hmm. you're so like, you can't, in Baldur's Gate 3, like that intro, while very action packed and and kind of like starts off at a pace of like, I was actually really surprised because like when you look at an RPG, your typical starting point is like quiet, you know, village, nothing really happening. You know, everyone's kind of getting used to the mechanics. No, like Baldur's Gate 3 starts with you being abducted by mind flayers and you're stuck on their ship and it's this whole like escape process. And it's very much like it starts with a bang and and then it slows down as uh, after after some initial action. So like I think where in Baldur's Gate 3, like it's very tough to kind of like, you know, stand around talking in in the village. You kind of have to progress. You, and it, it, But it, like because of the way it starts, like there's no like on ramp for the party to kind of figure out how they're going to work and, and play together. So like, there's mm-hmm. a lot of that clashing, I think, that would happen at the beginning. and um, But once you get going, because that's the other cool thing about the beginning is like, because it's so action packed, they've designed it in a way where like, we're not going to punish you for trying to learn the ropes. Like I was coming in completely blind, had no idea um, and hadn't played Dungeons and Dragons in a long time. So like playing this game is like, OK, what are we doing here? Like what's what's happening? How do the, how do the, how do the rules all work in it? And it you know, while action packed, it's like, I felt like, okay, like it's, it's allowing me to do this at my own pace and it's not punishing me. It's kind of got me on rails a little bit. Like it's, it's got kid gloves, you know, (laughs) the intro is, um, for me, like it felt like it was very much like a slow burn, but a very action 
uh, packed uh, slow burn because you you kind of worry like oh man this is a hundred hour RPG we're gonna start off slow it does not start slow like it's it introduces you to like five different companions right off the bat like that you can find in the first area <laughs> so wait so it's about is it a hundred hours is it more than that I thought it was I thought it was bigger than that I I think I I don't know how long it is like oh okay <laughs> if only there was a website for that <laughs> <laughs> yeah if only um. I don't know how long it is, to be honest. Uh, I feel like it's a it's a long game. 100 hours is probably not enough. No, you're actually not too bad. So apparently, uh, Baldur's Gate 3 main story on howlongtobeat.com is uh, 40 hours. If you do the side quests, you're looking at 76. And Completionist is 97 and a half. So there you go. Oh, well, there you go. Good guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> it, it feels like... So it feels like a long game. Like, I mean, you can certainly... The, the the first act where I'm at right now, it, it feels like there I'm 30 hours in. I haven't finished act one and you can kind of like explore the map and find quests and interactions to to do uh, throughout the game. And, and again, in the act one, you're finding a lot of uh, folks that are joining your party because they all they all are suffering from the same affliction that that you have. So essentially, at the beginning of the game, your character wakes up in a mind flare pod uh, and you see a, a couple of the other origin characters in that area, and they're being infected by the Mind Flayers uh, tadpoles. And I will give everybody a heads up. I did not know this, but I'll give everyone a heads up. Like when you're playing this game, uh, there's like a, there's a there's a segment where um, you get a first person view of um, this Mind Flayer. Uh, putting a tadpole through your eye and it crawls in behind your eye. It's not. Oh, it's, it's, I hate eye stuff. Yeah, oh, there's man. some eye stuff. That's oh, oh. That's one of the things that like in horror that I always have to turn away and I can't watch is when there's like needles or bugs or anything that has to do with somebody's eyeball. Like I just I can't I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat. Uh, and then like further on in the game, they say like, oh, well, you either got a tadpole through the eye or the ear. And I'm like, no, thanks. That all that sounds <laughs> I'll take the ear option, please. <laughs> I don't know. Like both sounds both sound really bad. At least the ear is already a hole, right? That's like... <laughs> true. That is very true. Uh, it's it, it, yeah. So like the the game does start off in that in that regard. So like uh, immediately your character has been infected. Other characters have been infected as well, and that kind of connects your party. So in that first act, you're kind of finding a bunch of characters that uh, were on that ship and and were being infected. Uh, and as I said, I'm playing as a bard and I think the bard is a really interesting choice because a, you get to play music for, um, some of your, your spells and stuff, but also it gives you like, I like to talk my way through a lot of video game RPG stuff. And this game specifically like has that option, um, like a crazy amount of stuff you can do in this game. You could just talk your way through it. And it kind of goes in line with um, uh, the being infected with the tadpoles because that's part of the story too. Like everyone, there's some sort of conspiracy going on with these tadpoles, and there's this like new cult that showed up. So it's they kind of use that in a way to like okay, in Act One essentially before you get off on this adventure to try to figure out how to get rid of the tadpoles in your brain, you quickly realize that mm. you have influence over uh, this cult that is sort of like sprung up around the mind flayers um and that allows you 
from a design perspective to allow your player characters to talk their way out of a lot of stuff and avoid combat for what you would assume would be combat. Like there was a moment where I'm walking into um, like a village that's been taken over by goblins and I think, okay, I'm going to have to fight the goblins. But you can talk to them and you can kind of convince them like, no, no, we're on the same team. Like I'm infected by the mind flare. You're in the cult. I'm in the cult. You know, like <laughs> we're, we're everybody all... cult cult. <laughs> yeah. And, and you can get through that area just by talking. And then you you have those dialogue checks as you go. Like if you if you don't want to aggro the whole camp and deal with it that way, you can have those conversations. And like one moment was you eventually get to the the gate of the camp, the goblin camp. And there's this guy and he's like, uh, he's like, well, I can't let you in. You're not prepared for you know the party or whatever because we just we're celebrating a raid and i'm like oh well what do i need to do and he's like well you need to wipe this uh this dog poop on your face and i'm like i need to, and i'm like ah really do i have to and he's like insistent and like no matter what i could do i i i put it i put the dog poop on my face and and then he laughs at me but all the other options i couldn't figure out how to not do it to get in outside of like <laughs> killing them all and i didn't want to aggravate I'm still bad at the combat, but I didn't want to aggro everybody. So I'm like, for a good chunk of that gameplay, I was just walking around with poo smeared on my <laughs> main character's face until I did a long rest. And again, like I did the long rest and it, and it cleaned it up and no one seemed to care. So of course it wasn't part of the ritual. They were just giving me a hard time for some reason. Uh, but yeah, like there's just a lot of these moments in this game that like focus on the dialogue. And that's like my favorite part of Baldur's Gate 3 because like it has all these moments where your characters you can have conversations with your characters and I love you know finishing like a mission and going back to camp and having conversations with the characters about those missions my favorite part about Mass Effect so like they have that here but it just feels like the 2023 version of it where it's just it's what you would expect from this is what they were talking about like the, the polish in this game is like I do one little thing and then I go back to camp and then everyone's got an opinion on it. I'm like, great. I want to hear what Shadowheart has to say about this. And, <laughs> you know, and Lazelle and Gale and Asterion get everyone's opinion on what's happened. Even though I was there for it, I just want to know. I want to want to check in on it. The <laughs> they all have such cool names. And then there's Gale. Yeah, there's Gale. <laughs> and then there's Will and uh, Carlac. So like, they, you know, there's uh, but Will with a Y. Why you ask? Oh, well then. OK. Yeah. There's a great line about that. Uh <laughs> Essentially, it's like, I think my great grandfather didn't know how to spell will. It's like, oh, well, <laughs> um, it like it's just it's chock full of just flavor. And again, like if you're going into this and like you want to experience like the Dungeons and Dragons aspect of it, it's got that story. It's got the mechanics. But for me, my favorite part has just been interacting with the characters that they've set up um, as my bard. And just being the leader of this this group and and just uh you know having a great time with all these uh all these different characters and i I kind of wish I had sort of navigated Act one to kind of recruit everybody that was available in that area before doing the what is essentially like the first big mission to like okay. clear the goblin camp because again, like it's a milestone, and like in Mass Effect, each of those milestones you go back to your camp and then you there's like a party and everyone's mm-hmm super chatty but like uh we talked about um 
you know, the, the game having uh, like the IGN articles about the bear stuff and, and uh, I was going to say, that was going to be my next question is like, okay, Ryan. So who have you slept with? (laughs) Well, this is the thing, this game, uh, there is no friend zoning in this game. Uh, We were at that party and everyone I talked to was like, you, me later. Uh, What do you think? uh? (laughs) Every character. So Baldur's Gate 3, very horny. <laughs> oh, yeah, very much so. And d- to the point where I think, like, even as you're progressing through the game, some characters, you can build these relationships with them as you as you move forward. And again, it doesn't it's not like Mass Effect or, or other RPGs we played where it's it's like a it, it, the relationship takes it's not till the very end of the game that it kind of. Yeah, like, it's it, a very big, like cinematic, like we're all going to die. Should we? I guess. <laughs> no, this this one, it, like, it varies. Like, all, all the different characters are, are different in terms of, like, the relationships you form with them. But I find that the relationships you have with these characters are, um, are because, again, you're connected by this common affliction, which is the, you know, the Mind Flayer tadpole. So, essentially, you're supposed to die within a day of getting one of those. So, you all have this bond as characters. So, it makes sense that, like, all your characters are going to be either very friendly with each other or very hostile towards each other. And I've seen both those, you know, things play out. Like I've had characters, you know, try to kill each other in the middle of the night and I have to like talk them down. Like, Hey, we're trying to solve this thing. And you two fighting and trying to kill each other. Like if I failed a dice roll, they probably would have killed each other. Right. (laughs) And, and that's the other thing too. I love the attention to detail here. Like when we talk about a dice roll, there's a literal dice that shows up and rolls on your screen. Anytime there's like a, like a, like a dialogue check or a skill check. Yeah. Yeah. It is just, it is so cool. It is, uh, I'm having a blast with it. And when we haven't even talked about the story and the specific characters and such, and the game has been out for, I got two weeks now, which is crazy to think. Um, but yeah, I'm still in act one. I'm playing primarily on PC, which is kind of like unheard for me, but I'm I'm enjoying it. Uh, but they do have really good controller support. It's uh, verified on Steam Deck, so you can play it on your Steam Deck. And I know we do have community members who are playing uh, on their Steam Deck. Yeah, Matt's playing. He's he's technically playing on PC, but he's playing on controller, which is very weird for him he's usually a mouse and keyboard guy but he actually prefers the controller and plus he took a he took like a recliner down into his office and he's just been sitting on the recliner with the controller playing on his pc and he's having a blast so yeah yeah i mean for me like i feel like um i would almost do like a hybrid approach of like the controller would be great for navigating and walking around um and and dialogue which is some of my favorite parts of the game but like for combat, I, I feel like keyboard and mouse has been really good. But mm-hmm. um, you have that direct control over the character when you use a controller, as opposed to with mouse and keyboard, you're kind of clicking, clicking around to move your character. Oh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not the most intuitive, uh, but like yeah, it, it works. And I mean, it's it's a typical sort of approach for for controlling these type of games with a mouse and keyboard. But um yeah, like I feel like over the course of the next couple of weeks, we'll we'll talk about it more uh, because obviously there's there's so much to talk about. But for me, like I'm really enjoying the opening act. Um, I haven't even gotten to like some of the stuff that they really pushed in the trailers, like in terms of like high profile voice actors. I haven't come across any of like J.K. Simmons or 
the Harry Potter guy. <laughs> I can't remember his name. <laughs> I think he played uh, Lucius Malfoy, I think was the guy. Oh, he, he's know. in it. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's really it's really good. And I'm I'm really enjoying it. Like my favorite thing, I can't stress this enough, is like all the conversations you can have with your characters. Like it's um, it was my favorite part in Dragon Age Origins. I remember I just like really push myself to finish a quest like a main quest just so that I would have that opportunity to have new dialogue with all these characters that we're spending time with. So I get that same feel here with Baldur's Gate 3, although they've like they've really ratcheted up. Like there's a lot in this game and like I think I already have like six folks that I can add to my party. Um so I do need to get better at like <laughs> rotating my roster. Because uh, if I don't do that, I, like I have some favorites, but like if I don't start bringing in the other crew, I'm going to forget how to control them. And then when I go to use them, they're like, oh, they've leveled up five times. I don't know how <laughs> any of this works. So it's it's very complex. And because I don't have that Dungeons and Dragons uh, background, like everything's kind of new to me. You know, uh, I understand small parts of it, but like, you know, I'm already past my. My entry level Dungeons and Dragons knowledge uh, yeah. with the combat and stuff, but I, I'm enjoying it. We'll talk about it more, I'm sure, like in the coming weeks. But uh, yeah, I promise I am going to play this like I, I was looking forward to it. I just got really caught up in in Palea. So I think you'll really like it. Uh, honestly, like I think it's one of those things where uh, and I'm and I'm playing on balance, but I, I have been tempted to like drop the difficulty down to just, you know, this the explorer slash story stuff, because like I said, I'm. Uh, it takes some time to get used to the combat and I've really mm. enjoyed the story and the characters and the dialogue. So um, I don't think there's like my tips would be like play on the difficulty that you are that is going to allow you to enjoy the game because there's a lot to enjoy here and save often. F5 <laughs> is your friend. Quick save before dice rolls. Quick save before combat uh, encounters. Don't let any articles or reddit posts uh, or anything you know um steer you away from f5 and f8 because quick save and quick load are your friends uh i cannot tell you how many times i i had an encounter where an enemy like would knock a character off a ledge and they would just instantly die it's like well there's no way i'm living with that like <laughs> i am reloading good sir um <laughs> but i'll happily like i i have you can there's a lot of options in terms of like uh, interacting in combat and you can, you can certainly push enemies off of ledges for instant death. Although you can't loot them of course, cause they're, they're down a ravine. Um, but uh, also jumping, make sure you use jump when you're exploring the world because you will need to jump sometimes to, uh, to get to specific areas. Um, and it, it can be a bit weird cause it's used in combat to kind of move around a bit. And then you forget like in overall, like, navigation like oh right i can i can jump over this cliff and I, I forgot a couple times um and there are a lot of like jumping puzzles and stuff to kind of explore more areas uh, so keep that in mind so jumping quick save and uh play on the difficulty that you want don't don't let anyone steer you in the wrong direction sounds good well i look forward to hearing more about it and i look forward to jumping in myself um yeah so if you enjoy the content that we produce here at the gamers in head on over to patreon.com slash the gamers in to support the show like mikey connected if you want your name here to be featured as our patron of the month 
Again, head on over to patreon.com slash thegamersin. Uh, you guys are also currently playing Psychonauts 2 in our TGI game club. Again, if you want to join the Discord and join those conversations and follow along, you can find our Discord at bit.ly slash TGI Discord. Uh, that brings us to the news this week. Uh, Netflix is finally doing the thing I said they should do, which is bringing their games to PC. Huzzah! <laughs> I'm very excited about this. Yeah, uh, and this is kind of weird because it stemmed from an article um, from an Apple uh, site, uh, Apple News site that I, I follow, and it was about like an app that surfaced, and it's like a controller app from Netflix that is mm. basically like one of those cloud touch-based controller um, applications for your phone. And there was no documentation for it. It was just like, hey, we're preparing for the next stage of, of Netflix games. Uh, but but between that time and, and recording, uh, Netflix has actually updated their uh, about pages for testing um, Netflix games on select televisions and soon PCs and Macs, uh, where, where you will be able to play games at Netflix.com. And uh, it's launching with two games to test which is oxen free not the newest one but the the older oxen free and uh mole hughes mining adventure which is a new game they call it a gem mining arcade game uh they do say they don't say like whether you'll be able to use like an actual controller like that would be my thing like i know jocelyn you're not excited to play with this like controller shell app right like you want to use an actual no no i want to use an actual controller yeah but i mean i i I also kind of get that like they're trying to expand their business to new platforms and that's going to have some growing pains. And I feel like this app is very like stop gappy. They're trying to figure out how to like allow you to navigate on your PC or on your TV when they're not a game company, you know, like, so I think that eventually controller support will probably come. But for now it's like, how do we get people to play on other platforms like as quickly as possible, basically. So um, I think this is a good test for them. They're they're going to test the market, obviously, and see if people actually want to play Netflix games on other platforms other than just their mobile devices. And I think that's a good move for them because I have not t- like when I actually log into Netflix on my phone um, to like cast to my TV or whatever, because we have a, an older smart TV where the Netflix app isn't supported anymore. So we just use our Chromecast. And like every single time that I'm on my phone and I'm like browsing Netflix, I'm always like, why are there these weird game ads in the middle of my Netflix? Like I already pay for this. And I'm like, oh, wait, wait, mobile gaming. Right, right. <laughs> but like my first instant like reaction to seeing like games, mobile games in my Netflix app is what is this garbage ad? So I think... um expanding their offerings and making their brand more synonymous with gaming is a good move if they actually want like Netflix gaming to take off in any way. Yeah. No, I mean, the the service always needed to come to like, I figured, you know, PC and Mac, like to me, like that wasn't um, probably going to bring this to the mass market of folks who use Netflix. Like for me, it's the televisions. And I mean, looking at, this listing like they have they they do list like quite a bit like they you know to, for me like they even list the uh, the fire sticks and the chromecast so mm-hmm. like that's a big deal um and i think that's where the phone app comes in handy because like it kind of removes the need 
for all the hardware to have like a like a controller input, you know. Yes. And um, yeah. And and then this way, the phone app is communicating with net directly with Netflix servers, and the Netflix app is working from Netflix servers. So it it doesn't even really require like a lot of extra technology from the manufacturers. Um, they kind of just use the screen to show uh, the gameplay and then the controller isn't even interacting with the screen. It's interacting with the servers that, that is showing the, the game. It's kind of a neat way. Cause like, honestly you could even have it working on an Apple TV and it, like, it wouldn't even Apple, Apple would have, it wouldn't even matter. I mean, Apple would probably find a way to deny it or something, you know, find a way to say <laughs> like, yeah, you can't do that. Um, but uh, I think it's a, I think it was the necessary next step and and obviously these are going to be games that continue to be uh from what we've saw from netflix previously like not not the triple a like you're not seeing Baldur's gate no no this is still yeah this is still going to be uh more like i guess traditional mobile offerings or you know potentially like indie titles uh, some Mm -hmm. of the smaller stuff like it's not meant like you say it's not a platform for triple a gaming um, but that doesn't mean that they can't have uh, good games on offer, right? So I think we've seen that a lot with Game Pass on the Xbox side of things is like they have a lot of smaller bite-sized gaming experiences available on Game Pass and we've found some real gems uh, through that service. So I think that's um, the kind of where the competition is or like what the market that Netflix is kind of trying to break into is this like smaller gaming experiences, whether that's mobile or indie, and, you know, being able to offer that as an added bonus to their subscribers. Yeah. And I, and I really enjoyed Oxenfree when I played it. So um, I think if you if you haven't played it and you you are in Canada or the UK and you want to test this out, I mean, I, I would love to test it out. I, I think that it would be it's an interesting approach. Like they haven't um, done the Netflix thing of increasing the subscription prices um, although I'm sure once gaming takes off, they'll find a way to do that. Yeah, yeah, I was um, going to say they haven't yet. They haven't no. um, increased prices directly related to gaming. Their prices have been going up like crazy, but they haven't done it because of gaming yet. Yeah, gaming will likely I'd imagine eventually once they have it done in a way that they're satisfied, gaming will likely fall to the higher tiers. But right now, gaming is accessible on all the Netflix uh, tiers, maybe Maybe not their ad plans, but uh, but yeah, like it, it. I think it's an interesting development. I mean, a lot of providers have have tried something like this and and have not really caught on. But because Netflix is able to like, they've been doing the Game Pass thing where they are bringing in like okay, the mobile versions of uh, even like um, that uh, Turtles uh, beat 'em up game. They got the mobile mm-hmm. version of that and uh terra nil we talked about so like they've had a lot of these like mobile offerings of more traditional high profile releases on steam so like they've i think they've done a decent job of like getting some good stuff you know yeah i just think like i say the the fact that it had been relegated to the mobile app i think really just made it not very accessible or well advertised right like like i say i thought every time I opened my mobile app, like that Netflix had put, had put ads into, into their app, because that's like how, how much I don't associate Netflix with gaming. Right. So I think that they need to do a better job. And the way they do a better job is by expanding gaming 
out from one of their platforms to all of their platforms. So the TVs, the PCs, like basically anywhere you can get Netflix, anywhere you can sit and watch a TV show. If you can also do gaming, then all of a sudden your brand is going to be more openly associated with that functionality, right? So I think that's kind of what they've been missing when it comes to making gaming more popular on their platform is like people just don't associate like, I want to go play a game. I'm not going to open Netflix, right? (laughs) So they need to change that mentality. They need to remind people that they're a gaming platform as well and that they have these things on offer. And I think the best way to do that is just make it more accessible and make it more obvious. So anywhere there's Netflix, there's also gaming. Um, And I think this is the obviously (laughs) the best step towards making people associate gaming with Netflix is just make it available on more platforms. So I think this is the correct direction. I think this is what they had to do. They had to either do this or stop doing gaming, in my opinion, right? Like, it can't be that popular in its current iteration. So I think they're making the right moves if they want to actually make an impact in uh, the gaming market. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, this will probably, I, I would love to see Netflix do, and this is something they've, hinted at is like developing like a large AAA Netflix gaming experience. And then they are well positioned to kind of like incorporate a show aspect to it. And we've seen other mm-hmm. companies try that. And um, really it comes down to, they just aren't able to synchronize their efforts. Yeah. I think like some, some are more successful than others. Like I personally liked the quantum break. I thought that that did really well, Mm -hmm. Uh, but at the same time, like I thought maybe that their like TV episodes were too long. Like it was too much of a break from gaming. And then like Netflix has done it too, where they've had like interactive TV shows. And I think those have had, you know, varying success as well. Like, and it's like, kind of a choose your own adventure and kind of interesting but like i mean we watched it played it once and that was it you know we never it wasn't compelling enough or interesting enough to like go back and try to find all the endings um i'm trying to remember what it was called was it like balderdash or bandersnatch or something with a b oh anyways it was yeah um, from a few years ago black mirror uh folks yeah where you could like choose the the um like some conversation options and then that would show you a different scene from the TV show. Yeah, it was like a choose your own adventure and yes, I never did yeah. it, but I think it See, the fact that you never even did it. Like <laughs> I, I feel I like it's kind of like a an untapped market, an untapped thing that Netflix could really do if they had, you know, a bit more of a foot in gaming and a bit more understanding of what gamers want then they're kind of in a very unique position to do some really cool stuff. So it's, it's kind of funny because they do have a lot of those like choose your own adventures, especially with the kids programming. I'll come downstairs and the kids will be watching it, uh, watching Netflix. And I'm like, what are you guys watching? It's like, Oh, we're watching this new episode. They, and they, sometimes they will produce these choose your own adventures for uh popular kids shows. Like I think one was like Johnny test and they did one for Johnny test and the kids were into Johnny test for like a, a, a couple weeks there and they have like a choose your own adventure there. And I'm like, oh, you're doing the choose your own adventure. But they weren't. They were just watching it and letting it time out and choose the default. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, you're not even playing it. And I tried to show yeah. them how to choose. And they're like, no, nah, we're just going to watch it, let it play out. You know, it's like, poor Netflix. They just cannot catch yeah. a break. <laughs> they tried so hard. 
they'll nail it eventually, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, we also had a showcase from THQ Nordic. So there was nothing really, uh, Ryan and I talked before the show, there's nothing really that uh, like stuck out to me as like super exciting from this showcase. I was momentarily excited about a new South Park game, but then it said a co-op multiplayer thing. And I was like, oh, no, no. I like their 2D like um uh, oh, what like RPG stuff that they've done with the with the last two games uh, last two really big games that they put out obviously there's tons of South Park uh, gaming content but yeah I thought it was going to be a follow up to those two and it's not it's a co op I don't know snow day things probably going to be snow snowball fights and stuff I don't know <laughs> but yeah not not my thing <laughs> yeah I uh, so I didn't watch this but I kind of went through a you know everything announced at article list and to me two things stood out. And the, the interesting part about THQ Nordic is they they do um, they do a lot of those revivals. They picked up a lot of old licenses, specifically from uh, THQ, uh, to the point where they actually like took on their name as well. This like bankrupt company that was ruined by a Wii U tablet thing. Um, <laughs> and like the two games that kind of one's licensed, it's uh, it's TMNT: The Last Ronin. Um, I don't know anything about the property. I know like the last Ronin as a, as a comic series is like beloved. And a lot of people talk about it fondly. Uh, and, but for me, it's like they're developing a third person action game in, in line with sort of the Arkham Asylum games uh, where you play as, as uh, I, I think it's Raphael who is the last Ronin. I'm pretty sure I could be wrong. Uh, again, I have not read the comics, but the, the premise is that all the turtles have, have passed except for one and shredders Aww. like yeah and I, again i've not read it but that's i think that's the premise is like he's the last turtle the last ronin and shredders like taking over the world it seems a little similar to like a lot of the marvel comics they, like the old man logan stuff they did yeah um so uh it, it looks really cool but again we didn't get much we got like a cinematic trailer and then like one piece of concept art um so I'm like interested, cautiously optimistic. We'll see what it what it ends up being when it when we see an actual trailer. Uh, but the other announcement that was interesting was Titan Quest 2. And this goes back to THQ Nordic owning a bunch of old properties and looking to revive uh, franchises that have kind of been sitting uh, dormant. They did this with um, Kingdoms of Amalur when they did the Re-Reckoning and the new expansion. Um and uh, they did it with Darksiders, Darksiders 3. So mm -hmm. Titan Quest is like a Diablo-esque uh, game that came out uh, over a decade ago. And and the fact that we're going to get a sequel, like a proper sequel to it, like right now is the right time to do it. You know, you have Diablo 4 out. Uh, everyone's loving that content. Um, and people are going to be itching for more of these, uh, you know, uh, uh, what do you call them? Like action RPGs, I guess. So uh, but it was it was another cinematic trailer, like no gameplay, just like, hey, we're working on it type stuff. Um, but uh, it's exciting that they're working on it. I, I do like the idea of bringing back franchises that were really well received and then only kind of like fell off because of, you know, mismanagement um, up above. Like it had nothing like the games were great. They launched great. They were well received and they did really well. But the reason we don't have a sequel is their parent company basically like bet on, like I said, bet on tablets and like, well, guess we don't get any more great games because you draw killed us. So 
yeah so it's exciting but again like we have no idea what these things are going to look at because uh, or Mm -hmm. look like because they're not due for another couple years so uh we also got news about xbox and uh they are introducing a new strike system to curtail bad behavior and so i wanted to talk about this because like my first gut reaction to this because it's literally an eight strike system I'm like, oh, my God, like how many things do you have to do terribly within the community before you're kicked out? Um, But we kind of uh, the one thing that I really like about this is that Xbox is being very, very transparent about um, how this system is going to work. And they put out a, a pretty easy to understand graphic, actually, that makes the eight strike system make a lot more sense because it's as I think Ryan explained it to me before the show it's much more like um your driver's license and your, the point system there where like infractions are not just like one point every time it's like some things are worse than other things so sometimes you'll get you know three strikes instead of one strike so it kind of makes a lot more sense there <laughs> so first of all i like the fact that not all offenses are created equal. I think that's a really good point. It's like if you do something, so in the uh, graphic, in the example that they gave, um, is, is profanity, one point. Hate speech, three points. That makes a lot of sense to me. Hate speech is way worse than someone swearing. So, and I'm and like, that's something that I kind of want, like I'm guessing it's profanity like in your user tag or your gamer tag. I mean, like, they can't say you can't swear in, like, voice chat, right? Like, that's not a thing. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I mean, like, it, it could be... Like, you could be record- reported for messages, but, like, again, like, if if Ryan's like, oh, I'm so fucking frustrated, and in a text message on Xbox, I guess... He's my friend. I wouldn't report that. So maybe that's that's different. But like, if I did report it. Note to self, don't swear at Jocelyn while playing online. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I'm like, I would never report a friend because like I say, like I swear all the time. So like, but if some random person sent me a chat message full of profanity, then I'd be like, this is really weird. I would definitely report that. So I guess, I yeah, I don't know. I, I find profanity, I find just so funny and interesting, but um, anyways, my point was hate speech, way worse, way, 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 way worse. So having it worth more strikes against your account makes a lot of sense to me. And then so every time you get strikes, you get a different suspension. And they've been very open about that as well. So for one to two strikes, you get a one day suspension, three strikes, three days, four, seven, five, 14, six, 21, seven, uh, 60 days. And then when you get your eighth strike, you get a full year, um, I guess, suspension ban um, from Xbox services. So again, like very open, transparent. Uh, It escalates, which I like a lot. Um, So, you know, every strike you get isn't just another one day suspension. So, yeah, I think overall, um, I like this implementation. I think it makes a lot of sense. And again, the transparency is really, really helpful Especially like we've talked about this before, when you report stuff in game, uh, it's really nice to have like a feedback system. And that's the one thing that I think that they haven't really spoken to is like if I make a report, if I report Ryan for his gamer tag and I'm like, this is super offensive, 
then like, do I actually get a response from Xbox? Because it does talk about um, moderator review, which I think is also really important. This isn't an, on an automated system. This is like you're going to have people actually reviewing reports and making decisions, which I think is really important. So as a reporter, do I find out if the person I reported like got a strike? <laughs> so that's one piece I think is missing. Ryan, do you know, have you seen anything about like that piece of it? Yeah, um, I haven't really. Uh, I know like social media companies like um, Twitter and, and Facebook will follow up and let you know if if a report had had led to any action i know yeah you know facebook specifically will do that um but yeah it, it's a weird one like you know we talk about uh we talk about you know player privacy but i feel like it is important to let folks know when they're because if you want folks to help you moderate your system like if if you want to have to employ less fo- like a like a smaller team to in- to enforce the system you you do have to rely on your player base to assist with you know moderation it just you know mm-hmm. you cannot have xbox you know employees in every party across xbox live so having yeah, exactly. folks that are going to report this stuff you have to kind of like encourage it through uh positive feedback you know mm-hmm. cuz i want to know like me going through the process of reporting something i want to know that it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna action something's gonna be seen yeah exactly and even if in the end the moderators don't agree with you it's still good to know like kind of what the rules are what people think and stuff and so another couple things i did want to point out is that the first of all the strikes do kind of age out like they they expire so um every like i guess six months from having a strike against your account, it will just disappear, um, which is helpful, I think. Like, you know, they're assuming that you, you know, like improve over time. You don't have, you know, four strikes against you forever. So if you get that fifth strike, then you're gone for two weeks. You know, like if you do nothing for like a year, then you'll kind of be back down to, you know, everybody else in the community who has no strikes, which I think is really important. There needs to be some way to, some path to redemption, we'll say. Um, And the other piece that I wanted to point out is there's also an appeals process that they highlighted um, in this infographic, in this like um, random made up gamer who has a bad attitude. (laughs) So um, you can both win and lose appeals if you win your appeal, then the strikes are removed from your account. And if you lose your appeal, then the strikes remain. Um, there is no way to um, like get your time back, right? Like you get your strike, your suspension is immediate. Like there's no way around it. Um, however, I would assume that if you appeal something that's given you like a three week ban or something and they get through it in a week, then you would be able to return to Xbox services Um, so if you have one of those longer suspensions, then you can appeal your longer suspension. But, uh, anyways, I think the fact that there's an appeals process and also, um, like a a decay, a strike decay, I think, um, makes this system really dynamic and, and well thought out. Mm. Well, I think it's necessary. Like you have to have the bigger these systems get the the more transparency and the more tools you need to to sort of combat this harassment and stuff and 
I mean, we talked about this in previous weeks when Xbox had announced that they were going to have the the recording and um, uh, reporting tools for for voice chat. And, you know, I know that they've they've even like broke down the stats, too, of like this is, you know, it's a small percentage of the player base that ends up having to have these strikes. Right. Like for the majority of of players. Yeah, I think, didn't they say that it's only, like, 1% of players who have any sort of, like, um, they haven't actually instituted the strike system yet. So, like, they any sort of, I guess, um, oh, shoot, what's the word I'm looking for? God damn baby brain. Um, enforcement action, right? right. Like, <laughs> any any sort of disciplinary action. That's what I was looking for. There's only, like, 1% of users who have disciplinary action, and then it's only, like, 1% of the 1% that have multiple disciplinary actions on their account. So, basically, it's, like, you break the rules once, it's only 1% of the population that's doing that, and the people who break the rules multiple times, like, they're an even smaller amount of that that population. So, like, this isn't going to actually apply to most players within the Xbox system. But the ones who need it, I think um, this is going to be better for the community overall. Like it's punishing, but not too punishing. Everyone knows what the rules are. So there's no real questions when, or well, I'm sure there's going to be questions because people who, you know, (laughs) need disciplinary action usually don't understand what they've done wrong um, in a, in a social context. But uh, yeah, I think this is transparent enough that they can point to it and say, hey, look, you did X action. That's worth Y points. That means your suspension is like Z days long. <laughs> so I think it is, it's very, it seems anyways, very transparent and fair, which I think is really important when you're trying to build a community. Yeah. And I was just digging through their support uh, with the Xbox Wire article and and it does look like Xbox will follow up on some reports that are filed, but they do say that, you know, for business, legal and privacy concerns, we might refrain from sending you specific feedback about your report. But they do say like occasionally, you know, they will. So I'm sure it would probably be like, I would think like the more, well, like we mentioned hate speech because that's in their infographic. So like Mm -hmm. the more serious offenses, I'm sure that they would probably follow up and say like, hey, just so you know, we got your report. We agree you know, like, thank you. (laughs) You know, we're moving forward with strikes for this account or something like that. Like, I'm sure that, you know, they won't do it for everything. Like, if I'm like, Ryan swore at me in my DMs, (laughs) they're not going to be like, okay, yeah, here's your big lengthy, like, explanation about why we did or didn't care. Um, But yeah, for I think some of the bigger, more important infractions, I'm sure that those are the ones that they'll follow up on. But yeah, good to know that they will (laughs) at least sometimes follow up. Makes sense. I think it's at least important to get like an acknowledgement that the report's been received and just a very mm-hmm. static, you know, hey, we got it. We're reviewing it. We'll let you know if we need more information. Thanks very much. Have a great day. <laughs> Speaking of, thanks very much, guys. Have a great day. Thank you for listening. <laughs> but yeah, that's it. We're done uh, for this week for this episode of The Gamers In. We hope you enjoyed it. You can visit us on the web at gamersinpodcast.com. You can follow us over on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn at Joss Plays. Brian is at R. Murphy, and don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers Inn. Thanks for staying at The Gamers Inn. Remember, tune in next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. <laughs>